Thank you, Pastor Reese. How's everybody doing? Good, good. How many of y'all hugged a goat yesterday? Okay, all right, you live to tell about it. Today, I wanna invite you into a journey. Let's just go right after it today. I wanna invite you into a seven-day journey that has changed the course of human history. Seven days from right now, I wanna invite you in to this journey called Holy Week. These seven days have been the topic of millions of publications, countless debates, and thousands of films. These seven days have inspired the greatest painters, the most skilled architects, and the most gifted musicians. To try and calculate the cultural impact of these seven days is simply impossible. But harder still would be to account for the millions of lives, men and women and children and students that have had their lives radically changed as a result of these seven days. Let me summarize it. On Sunday, the first of seven days, Jesus rode into Jerusalem on a donkey, fulfilling the Old Testament prophecy of Zechariah 9.9. On Monday, he walked into the Jerusalem temple, overturning the tables that the money was being exchanged there. Roman drachmas were being exchanged for Jewish shekels. Roman coins were not allowed. And the image of Caesar was a violation of the second commandment. And Jesus was not having it. He said, you are turning my father's house into a den of robbers. On Tuesday, Jesus taught in parables, warned the people against the Pharisees, and predicted that the temple would be destroyed. On Wednesday, the fourth day, silence. Hump day was quiet. The, the New Testament writers don't talk much about Wednesday at all. Perhaps, I don't know, perhaps it was a day of rest for Jesus and his weary and worried disciples. On Thursday, though, in the upper room, Jesus celebrated the Passover meal with his disciples. He gave it a, a new meaning. No longer would his followers remember the exodus from Egypt and the breaking of the bread, but they would learn to remember his body being broken on a cross. On Friday, the fifth day, don't miss Friday night here, 7 p.m. On Friday, following his betrayal and his arrest and his imprisonment and desertion and false trials and denial, condemnation, beatings and sentencing, Jesus carried his own cross to the place of the skull where he died for you and for me. On Saturday, Jesus lay dead in a borrowed tomb. Again, silence. Don't know a lot about Saturday. It's often been referred to as Silent Saturday. But on Sunday, oh my, oh my, on Sunday, his passion was over, the stone had been rolled away, and Jesus was alive. He appeared to, oh, we got some resurrection people in the house. 
He appeared to Mary and to Peter and the two disciples on the road to Emmaus. Again, it is impossible to overstate the significance of these seven days. Welcome to Holy Week. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your people who have gathered and we have gathered to do what they tried to do 2,000 years ago on this Palm Sunday. We have gathered to worship you, to, to declare our deepest and most sincere praise and honor and worship to who you are. Father, we pray that today you would speak to us, that more than anything, we would just get caught up in the power of this passion narrative. Father, that our lives would be changed, that we would see you do miraculous things over the course of the next week in our lives and in the lives of those who will come. Be glorified and honored, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. The word of the Lord in Luke chapter 19. After Jesus had said this, he went on ahead, going up to Jerusalem, as he approached Bethphage and Bethany at the hill called the Mount of Olives. He sent two of his disciples saying to them, go to the village ahead of you, and as you enter it, you will find a colt tied there, which no one has ever ridden. Untie it and bring it here. If anyone asks you, why are you untying it? Say, the Lord needs it. Those who were sent ahead went and found it just as he had told them. As they were untying the colt, its owners asked them, why are you untying the colt? They replied, the Lord needs it. They brought it to Jesus, threw their cloaks on the colt, and put Jesus on it. As he went along, people spread their cloaks on the road. When he came near the place where the road goes down the Mount of Olives, the whole crowd of disciples began joyfully to praise God in loud voices for all the miracles they had seen. Blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to Jesus, teacher, rebuke your disciples. I tell you, he replied, if they keep quiet, the stones will cry out. As he approached Jerusalem and saw the city, he wept over it and said, if you, even you, had only known on this day what would bring you peace, but now it is hidden from your eyes. The days will come upon you when your enemies will build an embankment against you and encircle you and hem you in on every side. They will dash you to the ground, you and the children within your walls. They will not leave one stone on another because you did not recognize the time of God's coming to you. This is the word of God for the people of God. Amen. Thank you, Jasmine. Yeah, celebrate the word. So today I'm gonna... Um, I'm gonna to try to stay a little more put than I did last week. Some of you know that I'm, I'm, I'm recovering, and uh, last week I got a little too excited up in here, and I walked off the stage, and my back just ran, and I, I was locked up for a few days. But um, I'm doing better. So many of you have asked, and I am so grateful for your prayers and your love. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, I, uh, I uh, very closely avoided a head-on collision about two and a half weeks ago on my motorcycle and uh, came very close to losing my life. So I praise the Lord that I am up here today and your prayers and your love and your support has meant so very, very much. But I'm gonna try to kind of stay put. And listen, if I get on out here too much, I get too excited. Fran, Jackie, Keith, good to see you, my friend. Y'all just yell at me. Say, get on back over there and stay still. <laughs> stay still, Pastor, sit down, all right? Because I, I, I sometimes don't do what I wanna do while I'm up here. 
When Billy Graham was a young preacher, uh, he was leading a series of, of services. Y'all remember these revival services? Here I go again. See, <laughs> he, was, he was leading a, a, a series of revival services in a small town, in a small Baptist church. Um, and because his wife, Ruth, could not go with him, uh, he decided to write his lovely wife a, a little card, a little letter. And uh, he, he wrote it, and then he was walking through this little small town, and he was trying to find the post office, and he couldn't find it. And uh, all of a sudden, he saw this little young man, a little young boy about eight years old walking down the sidewalk. And Billy Graham said, hey, hey young man, can, can you tell me how to get to the post office? And the boy said, no problem. And the boy said, go, go down here, take a right. And on the next block, you'll see it down there on the right. And Billy Graham said, well, thank you. And then started to walk away. And as Billy walked away from him, Billy said, hey, son, I, I, I should tell you, um, I am preaching a revival tonight, a series of revival at the little Baptist church there on the corner. I'd love to have you come. And if you come, I will tell you how to get to heaven. Little boy said, no, I, I think I'll pass, sir. You don't even know how to get to the post office. <laughs> <laughs> so today, we're, we're going to not follow Billy Graham or, or me. We're, we're going to follow Jesus. And we're going to follow him through a very painful week. I hate to break it to you, but to get to Easter Sunday from Palm Sunday, we have to walk through a dark cemetery, the only road from Palm Sunday to Easter runs right through the middle of Good Friday. And I don't know if you've ever experienced a Good Friday service, but 7 p.m., I'm telling you, we're going to take you to the cross and we will prepare our hearts for Easter Sunday. It's not an easy road to walk if you walk it faithfully. And again, what I'm here to do today is just get us ready to lean into this unbelievable narrative. We're going we're gonna to need to hold one another tightly as we tiptoe past the tombstones. And we stand together at the foot of the cross. And we must not look away. We must encounter it. We must stare at love so divine, knowing that the agony he's going through is going to be the very redemption for which we celebrate on Easter Sunday morning. Palm Sunday, make no mistake about it, is at best, says Wallace Beats, a day of temporary triumph. Everybody say that, temporary triumph. I like that because most triumphs on earth, have you noticed this, are temporary Always remember that if you're in a great season right now, like if you're in a really good season and you're at the top of the mountain and you're just praising God and life is good, it's temporary. Don't get too comfortable there. Life is fickle. Conversely so, if you're in a really hard season and life is hard and you're struggling, take courage it will change and God will bring you out of it. Life is a, about a series of temporary triumphs. Here, a few things I just wanna outline and hang this message on that we'll kinda just come back to. It's these pithy statements. If you're a note taker, write it down or take a picture of it or just put it to memory, whatever. Jesus' arrival was greeted with ecstatic what, church? Ecstatic joy, Luke 19 37 through 38. Jesus had been drawing huge crowds for some time. People flocked 
to Jesus. They knew he cared. They knew he loved them. There's every indication that he was met by a great rush of people everywhere he went. His words spoke to the heart of people. They, they wrong of truth and grace beautifully coupled together. Blind eyes could see again. Lame legs surged with vitality and strength. And those confined to pallets of affliction were up and about. The word surged through the hearts of everyone who pressed to touch him. And the word was hope. Everybody say hope. The word was hope. For one in his presence could dream the impossible dreams. And they often came true. Parents brought their children, even though the religious elite told them to keep the children away, parents brought their children to Jesus, and he said, let them come, and he blessed them. Relatives brought their loved ones, a veritable caravan of the needy, so that he might touch them and heal them. Depressed spirits were lifted and made whole. Hopeless hearts dared to hope again. Make no mistake about it, he was greeted with ecstatic joy. It all began on Palm Sunday. It was a day of great applause, but it did not last very long. You see, Jesus came to the Mount of Olives. He fixed his gaze toward Jerusalem, and he knew what he had to go do there. He had to go die on a cross for you and for me. And so he rode down on this donkey. Some translations say a colt, the, the beast of burden. Now here's what's interesting about that. When kings came into town in those days, they rode on big stallion horses. They, the, the, the way they came into the town said a lot. Jesus knew that. <laughs> and instead of riding in on a big white stallion, Jesus got a beast of burden, a pitiful little donkey. It was a symbol of peace. It was Jesus's way of saying, I come in peace. And it gives me an opportunity to remind us all, listen, whether you like it or not, as Christians, we are called to be peaceable people. We are called to love people. We are called to follow one who came in, not on a stallion representing war and terror and death and all of that, but one who came in symbolizing peace. Let the church, come on, I'm just gonna camp out here for a moment. I'm so sick and tired of Christians acting like the world. Let the church learn to embrace peace. Let the church get off social media if you can't be on it in a peaceable way. You know what I'm saying? Ain't nobody got time for all that. As you draw near to Christ, we are a peaceable colony in a very violent world. And they knew that as they followed him, or at least they knew temporarily, that he was their answer to joy. The joy was unmistakable that day. Some got it that day. Others missed it. Some get it today. Some miss it. It's connected to what I said last week when we talked about Jesus being living water. Remember that? He's the only one that can quench our thirst and give us joy. The only one. 
right? Men and women have pursued joy in every avenue imaginable. Not in unbelief, Voltaire said. He was an infidel of the most pronounced type. He wrote, I wish I had never been born. Not in pleasure, Lord Byron said. He lived a life of pleasure. If anyone did, he wrote, the worm, the canker, and grief are mine alone. Not in money, Jay Gould said. The American millionaire had plenty of that. When dying, he said, I suppose that I am the most miserable man on earth. Not in position and fame, Lord Beaconsfield. He enjoyed more than his fair share of both, and he wrote, youth is a mistake, manhood a struggle, old age a regret. And not in military glory, Alexander the Great. He conquered the known world in his day. Having done so, watch, he wept in his tent before he said, there are no more worlds to conquer. You can search high and low, far and wide, and all the things of this world will still be found wanting. There is only one. Come on, church. And his name is Jesus, and he is the author of true joy. Ann Weems, in her wonderful book, Kneeling in Jerusalem, captures the spirit of this monumental entry into Jerusalem in a poem titled, Between Parades. She said this, and some of you are gonna relate to this because you're just a bunch of busybodies. She said this, we're good at planning, come on. <laughs> Give us a task force and a project and we're off and running. No trouble at all going to the village and finding the colt, even negotiating with the owners is right down our alley and how we love a parade. Watch this. In a frenzy of celebration, we gladly focus on Jesus and generously throw down our coats and palms in his path. And we can shout praise loudly enough to make a Pharisee complain. It's all so good, the parade. Watch this. It's between parades that we don't do so well. We don't do so well. Come on. From Sunday to Sunday. For we forget our hosannas between parades. The stones will have to shout because we won't. It's a day, church, of temporary triumph. And because of, if you keep reading, the mood changes immediately. It changes quickly and it changes drastically from ecstatic joy. Write this down. Jesus' arrival preceded mm, his betrayal. The triumphal entry on Palm Sunday was to mark the end of the spontaneous public approval of Jesus of Nazareth. As the week unfolds, you will see, watch this, it is downhill from here. Again, he's up on the Mount of Olives. He's looking down toward Jerusalem. And as he goes down literally on the back of a donkey, it is downhill. A deadly coalition of temple hierarchy, Roman government, and betrayal within the disciple band would lead to his death while he sweat blood in Gethsemane, his disciples snored. They said, surely we will stay awake. We, though the world will betray you, Jesus, we will never betray you. And just as soon as he went off, Peter, James, and John, they, they're past the rim stage of sleep, rapid eye movement. I mean, they are snoring. 
It's not good. And here we are 20 centuries later, come on, still feeling the ambivalence of Palm Sunday. An electrifying moment of public entry and confrontation and a powerful statement about what it all stood for, the kingdom of the heart where men and women would be changed forever. Palm Sunday was the end though, the end of public affirmation of Jesus. It was downhill to Calvary. Carrying the burden of his cross, back lacerated from the scourgings, a crown of thorns thrust upon his brow. He stumbled, I wish I could do it. He, he stumbled to the ground. He needed someone to, to bear the weight of the cross. Guess what? His followers were nowhere to be found. So they, so they picked this stranger, if you will. We don't know much about him at all. Simon of Cyrene. They said, you carry the cross. And that he did. Because again, the disciples were nowhere to be found. As I reflected on it this week, church, Palm Sunday is an illustration of the fickle nature of the voice of people. <laughs> Some things have not changed. The voice of the people cannot be relied upon. It's a fickle voice. Today's hero is tomorrow's goat. Crowds have a short memory. They are usually asking the question, what have you done for me lately? Napoleon, y'all know him, y'all studied about him. As he was traveling through Switzerland with his army, he was greeted with thunderous applauses of great enthusiasm, one of his supporters said, it must be delightful, must be delightful to be greeted with such demonstrations of enthusiastic admiration. Napoleon said, bah, this same unthinking crowd under a slight change of circumstances would follow me just as eagerly to the scaffold. People are fickle. They were very fickle then and they are Today And this happened to Jesus. Jesus' arrival was accompanied by tears. By what, church? Tears. tears. Should let you know that if you are in a bad season and you do weep, you should know that Jesus weeps with you. The beauty of serving Christ is that he is in solidarity with us in our hard times. He knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it is like to be hurt. He knows what it is like to weep, and this was accompanied with tears. We have two encounters in the scripture where we learn about Jesus weeping. You know what they are? The first time we find Jesus weeping, he's weeping at the death of his friend Lazarus. Remember that? He's weeping. And the second time is what we just read earlier when he weeps over Jerusalem. He weeps over what is about to go down. He knows that they are fickle. He knows that they are going to crucify him. And he weeps. Thought about this this week too. Could it be that one of the reasons why the crowds flocked to Jesus was because they knew he cared? They, they saw it in his tears. They knew that, that he understood. They, they knew that he loved them as he loves you and he loves me. 
little girl by the name of April had been passed from foster home to foster home. Uh, she was what we might say today uh, mentally challenged, and so she was, she was faced in some hard situations, betrayed as a child, bounced around from foster home to foster home, until finally she was placed in a, in a, in a care, a foster home, with a, with a couple that had 15 kids with them. And they were, they were getting paid to foster all of these children. And um, they, were, they were quite mean. They were very cruel to the kids, and they were cruel to April. And April, because she was mentally challenged, would, would often kind of retreat away into her own world, and she would hum these songs, and she would, she would try to write down these songs, and she just stayed very secluded. But what she did every day was she would write notes and she would try to take them to the mailbox, and the, the lady, the woman, the foster mom, I guess you would call her, was worried that her notes were going to go out and tell how cruel they were to these 15 kids, and they didn't want that because, again, they were getting revenue from this situation. So finally, they stopped her from doing this, and she stopped for a while, but then she, she commenced to writing these notes again, and she would walk outside, and instead of going to the post office or the mailbox, she would go around back, and she would climb up a tree, and she would put these notes in between two branches, and the mother saw her do that one day and had the guy, the man of the house, go out there later in the day and put a ladder up against the tree. And, and he climbed up the tree, not knowing what they would find. And they found little notes. And every note said the same thing. If you find this note, I love you. It's kind of what Jesus was saying. Hey, if you find me, if you find what I have done for you, if you experience the truth of Holy Week and you experience what I did for you on a tree 2,000 years ago when I died on a cross for you, remember this, I love you. This is what he was trying to communicate and this is what he was enduring. I want to end this morning at the beginning of the passage. I don't know if you caught this verse earlier. It's a short verse, Luke 19, 31. Why don't you read it out loud with me? The Lord has need of it. Again, the Lord has need of it. What is he talking about there? He's talking about when he sent the guy ahead of him, remember? And he said, you will find you will find a, an upper room. You'll find a coal. And Jesus is preparing the way. The Lord needs the donkey. And I just want to ask you today as we continue to journey through this holy week, have you thought about that phrase ever? We tend to think about God and in Christ, and we tend to think he doesn't need a thing, right? He's God. But isn't it interesting that on this day, the Lord needed something? And I just want to start asking you this question what might God be calling from you today? What might the Lord need from you? And you're like, the Lord doesn't need anything. I know, I know, I understand what you're saying. But it's fascinating that, that he needed this donkey. What does he need from you today? Friday night, as we gather for Good Friday, I'll continue to come to that theme. 
And then Easter Sunday as well, Pastor Reese mentioned my message. Guys, I'm so excited about this Easter message. And let this question be ricocheting around in your mind this week. What does the Lord need from me? Because the last thing I would share today, his arrival demands our response. His arrival demands our response. The question that challenges us at this holiest of all weeks begins with this. Do you have anything that you are willing to share with Jesus? What does he need you to share with him, to give him? What can you give God today? What can you give God Easter Sunday? Because again, his arrival demands a response. But today, I'm going to challenge us to pick up where they left off. They were fickle. Remember, they started with Hosanna, praise him, lifting the palm branches, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, and in no time they betrayed him, they neglected him, they crucified him, they beat him, they spit upon him, they lacerated him, and he hung on a tree. What do you say we pick up today where they left off? We, we've structured worship today a little differently. Did you notice? Those of you who are real keen, you observed this earlier. You're like, oh, where's that other song? We cut a song on the front end. We cut a song on the front end so that we could have a little more worship on the back end. And I just stopped by today to encourage you to pick up where the crowd and the disciples fell off 2,000 years ago. To sing to the top of your lungs. We're gonna start with the song, Hosanna, how appropriate. His arrival demands a response. I, I don't know if you picked up on this either, but if you read Luke's gospel, there's, there's this scene where, where, where Jesus says to them, if you don't worship me, <laughs> the rocks will cry out. Are we gonna let the rocks cry out? What do you say we pick up where they left off. Romans 12, 1 says, therefore, therefore in view of God's mercy, this is a mercy week, offer your bodies as what church? Living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Here's a definition of worship that I've used for many years. I keep coming back to it. Here's worship. Worship is recognizing who God is. Do we recognize him today? and responding accordingly. So I want to invite you today. I want to invite you today to, to don't head for the door when I'm finished. I want to invite you today to, to stand to your feet in a moment and worship Jesus. Palm Sunday is about getting that right. Worshiping him and then following him through this tricky week, this this passion narrative, going up to the cross and, and encountering it with all of its ugliness and, and brutality, and then showing up on Easter Sunday, 
ready to celebrate the only one who has ever defeated death and has the power to forgive sins and secure eternity for us forever. What do you say we worship him today? What do you say we drop everything by the wayside? We put our phones down. We don't, we don't worry about what we got to do tomorrow. We don't, we don't worry about, well, this is the early celebration. We don't have to worry about whether we beat the Baptist and the Methodist to the restaurants. I mean, we, we, we got time. And we've structured it such that we can just worship God. We're going to sing a song, Hosanna. You know what it means? You know what the word Hosanna means? Save us now, God. And then we're going we're gonna to go right into what a beautiful name. What a beautiful name. The name of Jesus. Father, more than anything today, we want to get this part right. We want to, we want to pick up, oh God, where they, they fell short. We want, to, we want to continue in the worship and the praise of Palm Sunday when the crowd became fickle and the palm branches dropped and they stopped their singing and they started yelling, crucify him. God, we want to declare Hosanna in the highest. So, Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. God, I pray for every person who is here, those who are online, those who are in person. God, I am fully aware that, that there are times when we gather and we just see it as words on a screen. Some people worship, but some people don't. Our minds wonder. Father, I pray for a true encounter with the living God today. I pray, Father God, that, that those who are here who struggle to have breakthroughs in worship, who struggle to sing songs and, and mean them, who struggle to engage in worship, God, I pray that today there would be breakthroughs, Father God, and that we would worship you in spirit and in truth. We love you today. Now receive our praise, our adoration, our worship. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. What do you say? You stand to your feet. Come on, yeah. Let's, let's worship our good God. Sing it out loud. Here we go.